0: The median uh, savings that uh Putra individual has in epf today is only 4900 that means that's the, that's the middle half of the Bumi uh epf account holders have less than 4920. so the, where the properties for the m4 the m40 especially the lower m40 uh, where are the properties for the young families actually I was Zavif, they, they dropped down to uh, 26 uh, I'm not dropped down to 26 seats
1: once the biggest party in parliament now holds 26 seats in the parliament because that was a guy who used his position to take our money away from us and to go into his own bank account to mm. you know fund his wife's handbags when that could have been helping so many people like I I think what happened was strictly not okay and I don't think he deserves a pardon. Hello everyone, I'm Krisha. I'm Rajesh. And today, Rajesh is a little bit sick. How are you, Rajesh?
0: Yeah, I'm recovering, but just a good old flu.
1: And I... I'm okay too, even though you did not ask, but that's okay. Um, in today's episode of Policy and Chill, we're going to try something different. We're just going to be dissecting a few elements from the news segment. So Rajiv and I ran through Malaysia Kini and we created a Google Doc to put all the different items that we found interesting while we ran through the news today. And we'll tell in the end which which item was whose uh, idea. All right. But yeah, let's begin with the first thing that's, that's in our list today. We're yeah. going to be...
0: So what are we going to talk about first?
1: First, we're going to be talking about EPF. And after mm-hmm. talking about EPF, we're going to be talking about the property overhang. 18.41 billion worth of units mm-hmm. of residential units are overhung in Malaysia. All right. And then we're going to be talking about the unity government and what will happen if Najib walks free. And get the pardon from the king okay so these are the three things we're going to be dissecting today, and we'll start with the first one by me asking Rajiv. so what's all this buzz and noise about the EPF
0: Well since COVID and since the lockdown, EPF has been have the government has had EPF withdrawals for members uh, as part of the measures to help people you know stay financially afloat. Now, there's been some financial assistance from the government, uh, some cash injection from the government uh, throughout the lockdown period, but I guess the government under Muhyiddin realised that they could not sustain uh, cash handouts and resorted to then letting people withdraw their own EPF money uh, for them to sustain their their cost of living uh, throughout the lockdown periods where a lot of people had their income severely disrupted. Now, for those of you who had your salaries running every month even though you were working from home, I'm, I'm very happy for you uh, but there were a lot of people who, who could not do their business or who had severe drop in their business income and because of that had, uh, had to take a huge pay cut uh, despite having all the commitments that they've already had all the financial commitments that they've had so EPF has allowed for 4 withdrawals uh, from 2020 to 2022 uh, to allow members to, to withdraw. Uh, they
1: were called Aisinar, Anistari, and several other things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now, Perikatan National is pushing the government to allow a fifth withdrawal. And I guess that's the crux of the matter. Yeah. It, it's it's um, a good uh, political tool by Perikatan. I mean, I must call it for what it is. It's, it's something that they are using to leverage against uh, the uh, PHBN unity government. Uh, it's something that they are using to stir up the sentiments of uh, their supporters who are, uh, some of them who are in uh, yeah, financial difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we've got a whole different variety of uh, situations out there. You know, Some people truly have not recovered from the pandemic, and truly have not been able to pick up from where their income used to be from before the pandemic. And, and no doubt for this group of people, the money will go a long way to help them. You know, some people, uh, it's nice to have. Ah, they, they wouldn't be able to survive without it, but to be able to withdraw it is nice to have. But to be able to paint a political issue out of it, I guess that serves a lot of Perikatan, uh MPs, and, uh, which is why they are, are gunning I, at and it. And must
1: say, they have done it quite well from you know, the way they highlight the dire needs of the people and as though there are not other government uh, avenues to... Mm to help get alone for all the problems yeah. that people are facing. They're making it sound like EPF withdrawal is the one and only way the government can help the mm. people and that they should be doing that as opposed to all the other initiatives.
0: Yeah, so yeah. Um, in in this situation, uh, you are faced with two problems. The problem of today, where you, where you need your money, you may want your money, and the problem of tomorrow when you retire, would you have enough money to retire? And so uh, EPF released some very interesting or uh, worrying, <laughs> worrying uh, data when, yeah. when, when when they resisted this. Uh, the median uh, savings that uh, Bumiputra individual has in EPF today is only 4900 That means that's the, that's the middle half of the Bumiputra's uh, EPF account holders have less than 4900 less than 5,000 ringgit in their EBF accounts. And that, that's a bit worrying. Uh, Indians are also struggling. Uh, the median level of savings today after the withdrawals have been uh, allowed is 14,900 only. And, and that's a staggeringly worrying figure. Because at 55 years old, if you cash out, you know, 10,000 ringgit, 5,000 ringgit, you're not going to be able to <laughs> retire. retire on that. Yeah. You either have to keep working or you have to depend on your children, both of which may not be ideal plans. So, so there's a very valid problem of tomorrow uh, and and we, we want to make sure that we go back to the original intention of EPF. Now, why have EPF in the first place? We it,
1: institutionalized it. it. We made sure it was cut from people's salary. It was important to us as a it, nation. It's,
0: it's important for preparing our people for retirement and, and not to say like we'll worry about it when the day comes but right? to be able yeah. to prepare for it from today and, and that's why EPF is there and that's why it's a mandatory contribution from all employees and it's not something uh, quite optional and and allowing this withdrawal after withdrawal now now during the period of lockdowns I I, I totally understand there, there are many people who many politicians who supported the withdrawal I, I, I understood and I, 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 I also frankly, supported the withdrawals during the lockdown period because when the government is unable to assist you financially, at least let you survive by taking on the money. But now that lockdowns have been over for quite some time uh, and and the economy has opened in full for quite some time, I think we need to focus on other ways to help people in need and and not depend on another round of withdrawals uh, and and, and focus both on today's income as well as the, the income and retirement. Okay. Kusha, what happened? Uh, what changed uh, with the current, you know, pressure?
1: So, when Dr. Anwar Ibrahim became the Prime Minister, I think it was like not even two, three weeks after he was sworn in, he was like, he's not going to allow EPF withdrawals. Okay. Okay. And then two months later, the headlines made it again. Um, Dr. Surya Ibrahim is not going to allow EPF withdrawals. Our EPF numbers are scary, and mm-hmm. our people will not be able to retire. And so, he has been um, focusing on all the all the different ways. So, if the person who needs help is a farmer, or if mm-hmm. the person who needs help is um, a small business, we've been fo- he's he has been focusing on. Putting money in all these different spaces, okay. so assistance and all these um, financial incentives for people to start and get started again mm. and get back on their feet happens um, sectorally and according to what help they need and what exactly
0: they. Okay. Need,
1: instead of allowing people to take out the money and uh, so, I think the fact that um, he has put in a loan system is is a helpful method for for people who actually will really, really require that little bit of money where they cannot get it from the government. So a lot of these government schemes that you have to get, mm-hmm. you also have to apply for. And at least he understands that not everyone will be um, able to be getting these government schemes. And if you still need to depend on your EPF money to get certain things, you can request for a loan. And if you don't pay back, then your EPF will be your collateral. But you know he, he's aware not, that we're not catching everybody with all these different uh, sectoral hubs that he's providing Mm. as a a, a solution instead of allowing people to withdraw their EPF. And so I don't think it's such a bad thing that he has created a loan system. I think it will help to filter between people who just want to take out their money to buy a new car. Mm -hmm. And it it will help filter between the people who really need it to help pick their business up or help their Mm. livelihood.
0: Okay, so um, is, is Perikatan happy with this? Have they backed off? Or are they still pushing for a full you know, EPF withdrawal system like we've had in the past?
1: Yes, Prikatan is still pushing for a full EPF withdrawal system So Prikatan is saying that the government does not understand the plight of the people on the ground and you know they really need the money to survive But Prikatan themselves are not telling us who are these people who need the money to survive mm. I don't think that they have even the data of exactly who needs it
0: and, and they say it should, it can be a targeted withdrawal, not a blanket withdrawal. So, how is it possible to assess the genuine need? You know, if you're going to implement a targeted withdrawal uh, policy, like Perikatan is pushing, it, is it possible to assess between a genuine need versus, like, you know, someone's temporal desire in withdrawing the money?
1: See, as a government, I think, I think before I take that question, I think it's a bit philosophical how we want to be as a government. Before this nation has taken the stand that we are going to nationalize this, this retirement scheme, mm-hmm. so our people can retire comfortably yeah. when, when they grow old, even if they, are, they don't have to depend on their children, they don't have to you know they don't have to depend on anyone. They sh- they yeah. are able to retire, and we've been forcing people to save money because we cut this money from the paychecks. It's not an independent contribution from the persons itself. And is this how we're going to continue being as a nation, or are we going to be the kind of nation who uh, let people manage their own money? if they want to take out their money and buy a car, shouldn't it be my right? Because it is my money. Okay. So I think I think first before deciding how to um, differentiate between the need of the people and the want of the people, I guess we should go into deciding should we do we want to be the kind of government that forces people and, you know, in my opinion, helps people make sure that they have a social safety net to depend on when they are older, or are we going to be the kind of government like what Prikatan is Pushing us to be the kind of government that let people take out their own money and let them independently right.
0: spend it. Okay, so that there you have it, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. The the EPF withdrawal saga and and that you know a loan is available if you are in the category that you want to withdraw money from EPF to, desperately. Yeah. Uh, a loan has been a loan scheme has been put in place for you to do so, giving you the similar cash outlay without. Taking the money directly out of your EPF But also account. helping
1: you to ensure that because now we, you're in using uh, this, uh, okay. it helps you ensure that you put back the money that you borrow okay. into the... For All example, right. like you may not ever contribute back to your EPF. Yeah? Okay.
0: Alright, I was doing my best to segue into the second question there. Yeah. With that wrap-up. Not a new point over there. <laughs> uh, <Sorry.
1: laughs> but yes, let's segue into your second question.
0: And, and so for our second... Second topic of today, we have the overhang of residential units amounting to a staggering 18.4 billion ringgit. Now Kusha, tell us about this. What's happening here?
1: So our Deputy Finance Minister has given down some break, uh, breakdown of mm-hmm. where these units are and uh, how is it overhang in mm-hmm. different states. So I'm just going to be reading the numbers like a nerd. So um, Joho maintains its highest position. And with the number of units unsold as well as the value of unsold properties. So they have five thousand two hundred and fifty-eight units worth four point three three billion. That's a lot of numbers that I'm saying. But yeah, five thousand plus units have been yet have yet to be sold and oh, yeah. they are worth four point three three billion. Followed by Slango at three six nine eight units, so three point seven thousand units at valued at two point seven four billion. Mm-hmm. And Penang, um very close to Slango, 3593 oh. and worth 2.74 billion actually worth exactly the same with a very very similar Be- very very similar yeah Penang and Slango are in the similar but Penang
0: is so much smaller than Selangor yeah
1: Penang is so much smaller than Slango, but right. it has a very vibrant economy what about
0: KL is, is KL as bad as Slango and Penang no.
1: so Johor number one um Slango number two Penang number three um yeah so this, this is what the finance minister said and the number of units that are overhung for the properties that are priced between 500,000 and 1 million is mm-hmm. accounted for the highest number of unsold units at 9,323 units throughout the country. Almost 10,000 units that are priced between 500,000 ringgit to 1 million ringgit mm-hmm. are overhung and this is the highest amount of residential units yeah, that okay. are overhung. So that's the, the numbers, the boring part of what's happening. But now hey, that It's
0: definitely not boring. Okay. I, I find now, it very fascinating.
1: Yeah. Uh, but now that we're over the boring uh, numbers, the Deputy Finance Minister thinks this, this is because there's a property mismatch. Deputies okay. are building um, units that are not for people's demand. Oh, right. and he thinks that this is... Melaka is the best state where pe- people are building for what people can buy, whereas mm-hmm. all these other states, people are building for something that people cannot mm. afford to buy. And because of that... Uh, this is happening.
0: All no, right. So, Rajiv, okay. what
1: do you think? Do you think this could be
0: true? I, I think it's partially true, but yeah. I think that's a bit simplistic for him to conclude as such. Uh, yeah. what, one is a mismatch of what people want to buy. So, like, uh, people may want to buy 300,000 ringgit apartments in PJ, but people are building 800,000 ringgit condominiums in PJ. So, that, that's an example of a mismatch. And when that happens, yeah, people don't buy these expensive units. and I, I think it's quite telling that the the biggest value of unsold units are this 500000 and above. Okay. I mean, These are the properties for the upper M40 or basically the T20. So the, where are the properties for the M40, the M40, especially the lower M40? Uh, where are the properties for the young families is the B40. Quite yeah.
1: amused to find out that quite a number of affordable houses also was overhung. But then I, I digged a bit deeper and then found out that they are all literally in, in the middle of nowhere. It's yeah. not in the city, so no wonder it's overhung. Yes. But yeah, please go on. Yeah, so
0: so the, the 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 mismatch of what people want to buy, is not just the price of the unit but location, mm-hmm. because this is data that spans across a vast the whole state. Country. I mean, if you look at Johor, if you look at Selangor, huge states, and and are these units coming up in where people want to buy, and are these units not coming up, uh, uh, coming up in the wrong places, and so when a developer embarks on building a uh, project slightly outskirts and he, he does not he does it a bit more massive, then then he has calculated the market's willingness to absorb the units, so uh, there will be overhang units over there. So, just to put into some small perspective here, you know. The the number of units that you said that were oh in this overhung, unsold properties. Um, how how many were there again in, in the whole country?
1: In the whole country, worth for eighteen point four one billion.
0: Yeah, twenty seven thousand units. So that that sounds like a lot, but I have here a, a, another interesting number. So the total volume of property sales that happened in twenty twenty two was three hundred and eighty nine thousand units, and so this is a fraction of that yeah Uh, okay now let's put into perspective uh, other kinds of businesses now in in nearly every kind of business you will have to build sometimes a bit more than what you can sell Uh, sometimes you would calculate wrongly and build a product that people don't buy or don't buy as much as you thought they would buy and that's all part of the market economy and and how people do, do things and and if we were to have a situation that developers have to secure maybe total sales before they can start building, I don't think that works mm-hmm. for you and me either and for everyone out there. And, and so now we're going to look at it from the big perspective, the amount of sales that are happening and whether uh, this so, amount...
1: will help us put all these numbers on the screen. So the first number you have to put is 20,746 slash over... How many is the number? The, of the volume... Yeah, 389,000. 389,000. Please calculate the percentage somewhere here. So
0: these are the transactions that happened. The amount of things that were bought and sold in the year 2022, uh, notwithstanding that a particular unit could have been bought and sold twice in the same year. Yeah. But
1: No, but uh, okay. I guess the, the the number of property transacted and the number of property left untransacted is a good um, yeah, it's a good it's a good measure. To it's
0: a good measure
1: how vibrant our property market is. So this was actually a great answer. <coughs> follow up question for you. What is your
0: follow up question for me?
1: Should I care? As a who's living in the yeah. Lang Valley. I want to buy a property someday. Mm-hmm. So when I look at headlines, like, you know, eighteen point four one billion worth of properties overhang in the Klang Valley,
0: yeah. should I
1: be worried as a property purchaser? Oh, right.
0: or I, I think the answer is, with all of our questions you ask me in life, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> so let's deal with the yes, why yeah. you should be worried. Uh, yeah. And number one, I think MOF, this statement, okay, did not come from the Minister of Housing. It came from the Ministry of Finance. Uh, why is this important? Because, The risk of an overhang, uh, a growing overhang situation is a risk to the banking sector. Industry
1: crashing. Yes. uh, A
0: lot of uh, bank loans, bank lending, finance facilities go out towards supporting uh, construction. And and the and producing of these condominiums that get unsold, and if they get unsold, you know, banks have to call in on loans. Uh, banks default on loans, and will that put banks into trouble? Hopefully, there's uh, enough uh, check and balance in, in in the banking sector to make sure that no bank goes belly under from from any property uh, overhang related matter but uh, that's a good reason by the government and, and for us to care that the overhang is under control. Uh, the second thing is how it might affect you, the buyer of your house. Now if you're buying your house somewhere where there is a huge overhang. Now in this overview of the data that we just gave you, that's just a snapshot of how things are overall in the country but you know what's happening in your neighborhood. Now if you're buying a property in 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 whatever town in in the country it would pay to look around you to see whether the overhang is you know happening in your yeah. backyard or this opening or when the hang happening far far away from you so what
1: i I catch Rajiv doing a lot of the times is he, he's just on eye property he's just scrolling for fun for fun he, he's on eye property for fun looking at oh wow this is so Fully rented out. So many people are living here. You can barely find a unit. I have heard him say things. So sometimes I walk into the room and he's just kind of on his phone. So I'm looking at him, I'm thinking he's scrolling Facebook or which I'm very wrong. He doesn't he doesn't scroll Facebook, he doesn't scroll Twitter, he doesn't scroll Instagram. For fun, he scrolls eye property. And he scrolls eye property and he you know, he's looking at the thing and he's like, Oh fully rented out. Very hard to find rent in this unit That means you see, wow, if I invest here then the rental is like can cover the the mortgage <laughs> because it's like so hard to find a unit to rent. Or it's like, wow, so many units listed here. Or if we are driving by after a site visit or or anything, he'll be like, Oh look, so many lights are off. Not a lot of people are living in this building. It's so dead. Or he'll be like, you know, he look at the building like, oh so full. So many windows are open. And so yeah, this 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 housing thing is kind mm. of something he does, you know, for fun. For for as a geek, you know, he, he loves it. And he likes observing, you know, what what's happening to our property market around here. So maybe we can sort of separate podcasts on, you know, what po- should people buy and what's on sale, you know because
0: right. yeah,
1: I think it's very fun. You find it very fun. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. So that's one of the things, not everything that I do, but yeah. So that that's why you should care because if the overhang is happening near you, that's going to affect you. It's it's going to affect the the resale price of the property, uh, when when it remains unsold for a long time, would, would it come to a point where the developer starts giving discounts and, and deep discounts? And if deep discounts come into play, then your value of your property will drop. If you bought it for 500000 and the developer starts selling the house for 400000 that's going to affect your property value greatly in the market. So you want to be very concerned if you are buying a property that you don't buy in an area where there's an overhang, or you're very very certain that in an area where there's an overhang, uh, the price that you buy was attractive enough that you can withstand any potential drop in value. And so,
1: methods you can use my interjection earlier about that. you know scroll your eye property, <laughs> scroll your property guru. When you're driving through the neighborhood, look at the building, how many lights are on, how how easy is it to rent it out, things like that.
0: And yeah. I mean, so what well, what do you think? Should should we let the market be like this, or should the government intervene?
1: Okay, so an example for government intervention is what Slango is doing. Slango is doing a 30% affordable housing mm-hmm. for every property development that um, comes up. And I think this is very helpful because if a development is coming out in the middle of Pataling Jaya, okay. then 30% of the affordable housing is mm-hmm. with is with the development in Pataling Jaya. Okay. And it's not like, you know, the developer contributes a fund and the government finds a mm. cheap land to build the housing somewhere. You're so right. there's some sense to why the government is doing this in Selangor for us. Okay. But, but yeah, I don't... I feel these overhang units are not a huge issue. Mm -hmm. As we compared through the statistics earlier and the percentage that will display on the screen again now when we we fractionize both the numbers, it is a very small um, number and I don't think it actually um, is making our market any less stronger. property market is still very strong, very vibrant. It is... It is still great and mm. I don't think it should worry us and I don't think it is alarming to the point that it requires government intervention. Yeah. But what I think could be done better is, um, as the government, you are, you oversee the local and the state plans of what's happening and we can plan better mm. where we need affordable housing. Yeah. And if you're looking at an empty piece of land, should, should it be commercial or should it be residential or should it be affordable housing, you know? Mm. I think the government can start putting up plans mm-hmm. so we can, we can organise where people live and make mm. sure we can have enough amenities and structures around it. So mm-hmm. while we should not intervene in the market right now, how we uh, basically the job of mppj how we make sure that people are living properly, sustainably, mm. we should definitely be a bit more mindful. So as for me as a policymaker in Pataling Jaya, it's good to know that these overhang units exist. And okay. it's good for me to know how much overhang units there are in Pataling Jaya. And it's good for me to drive around and see what is the demand. What what does Pataling Jaya need as a city? Does okay. it need more five hundred thousand ringgit condos? Or does it need affordable housing? Or does it actually not need anything? Does it need a park? So this this information matters to me a little bit, but, the, but what I thought was we could dissect, does it matter to any other ordinary Malaysian who's looking at the property market to buy?
0: All right, okay, so what is in also interesting in this uh, regular release of data from the Ministry of Finance is that we keep releasing this overhead. this is unsold units by developers what i would find interesting is the number of vacant unrented out units out there and i i hope that you know some government agency maybe mof maybe the ministry of housing would collect this data and release this data because for all those who are looking at property purchase with the view to rent them out you you might want to take a look at this and, and be very wary before entering the market at some neighborhoods where you know while all the units are sold no one's renting it out and the building is quite vacant or the whole taman is quite vacant. So that, that's another worry. Now that that's a worry that's real for you and me because that'll affect your monthly repayments if you bought the property to rent it out but can't rent it out. So, alright, so that we've covered property overhang. Let us segue now to a very different issue. Najib might walk free. Is yeah. this for real? Kusha, what's going on here?
1: So um, the Amnu our component our unity government member mm-hmm. friend is asking for Najib to be given a pardon by the king.
0: Really? Yes. Now what's also... going on there? Why, why, why is Amnu getting involved in this?
1: Oh, because of course Najib has enough influence in Amnu and Najib, despite being in jail, is still very, very influential and holds a huge number of votes in the party. So yes, he has got the grassroots support. Amnu is essentially very Najib's mm-hmm. favourite. Najib is their favorite. So all of right. course, of course, they would want Najib to be free. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they even compared it to Anwar. They said that, you know, Anwar was pardoned by the Prime Minister mm-hmm. once. And why not mm-hmm. Najib? Why shouldn't Najib be pardoned if mm-hmm. Anwar got that? And so, and, uh, uh, and so I'll try my best to be very unbiased in this conversation. But I, I, I don't feel okay with allowing Najib to walk away free at all. Mm-hmm. I think he stole a lot of our money. He... I think I am totally not okay. So as DAP Pataleng you chief, Kusha is against it. Yeah, okay. And if I am asked by my political party leaders, how do I feel about it? If they you know, want to know how I feel about it as a grassroots mm-hmm. leader, I will tell them I'm against it. And I will tell them that that should not happen because that was a guy who used his position to take our money away from us and to go into his own bank account to mm. you know, fund his wife's handbags when that could have been helping so many people. Like... I, I think what happened was strictly not okay, and I don't think he deserves a pardon. And so, I am against it, Kushadini Mahendran DAP Patali Jaya U Chief is against it. So Rajiv, why do you think this is suddenly coming up?
0: Well, I think it's testing the waters. I, I think uh, enough people in leadership are, are testing the waters to see whether, number one, the public can accept this. But more importantly, number two, whether Harapan supporters can accept this. And and, and, they want to, and people are throwing out the issue without quite putting the issue on the table to see whether, hmm, mm-hmm. can, can we get away with this down the road? Can, can we be testing the waters here? And, and to that, I say no. no we, we, we won't get away with this. Um, you've tested the waters. I think that the people are quite clear that uh, Najib has done wrong and uh, Najib should stay in jail. And in fact, this can be a very dangerous thing to do. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of analysts have come up to warn that uh, the government will be in trouble if Najib walks free. And the biggest reason is because the rejection of Amno and BN in the last elections was so strong.
1: So and strong. Very clear.
0: Yes, they, they dropped down to uh, 26. AMNO uh, dropped down to 26 seats.
1: Once the biggest party in parliament now holds 26 seats in the parliament.
0: And the rising of the green wave uh, against AMNO was also on the back of the fact that we, they were done with the dirty government that was led by. Uh, previously, Najib and then and Sahid, and, and just generally, that BN is dirty, and BN is corrupt, and we want to end that corruption. And and so having any amount of compromise that cannot be acceptable. I I understand that some people wanted it badly you know, and and some of these people are part of the unity government. This is not a perfect unity government. This is a a, a government that has had to be put together because no one won the elections uh, in an outright With a fair manner. Majority. No one, no one had a clear majority and, and, uh, and some form of government had to be formed yeah. uh, for us to move forward for the next five years until we have the next general election. So so while we get together as a government and while we have to put aside our differences and pursue things that we can agree on in common, uh, we cannot, cannot agree in common that Najib should walk free. Uh, it is very clear that he's going through the whole trial by court Uh, Not just trial by media, but trial by court, uh, indicted, uh, punished, put into jail. And if we are part of the process of letting him go, despite his sins to the country, despite his uh, unrepentant stance, uh, that is simply unacceptable. So he 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 should not be pardoned. We should not be part of the process of promoting the idea that Najib. Might walk free, Najib should walk free. And, and the price we'll pay for that is I believe the Green Wave will get even stronger in anger to the fact that Najib walks free, uh, which is to the detriment of Pakatam. But how so,
1: do you feel as a Harapan leader when things like this come forward? You will not you in the I,
0: treaty. I, treaty I, 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 I the totally line. understand Najib supporters in Namlo wanting to raise this. Uh, yeah. It's only natural that you want your boss to walk free. That That's fine for them to raise it at their level. But for the cabinet, for the Prime Minister, for Harapan to consider working along with that notion, that's not acceptable. So uh, I'm, I'm very glad that Anthony Lok has come up to say that this was never discussed in cabinet. I'm, I'm glad that uh, some Harapan leaders have put their foot down, that this should not happen. But I think it's very, very important that all Harapan leaders make it clear that this uh, is not supported and, and we will not consider this. Let Najib apply to the king. His pardon and let the king consider Najib's application. Harapan should stay out of it. Harapan should not be part of promoting uh, or facilitating this, process. this this process.
1: Thank you, Rajiv.
0: All right, so I think we have to wrap up here. Yeah. I think you have an event to go to. So, uh, thank you, all listeners out there. Leave us your comments as usual. Uh, give us your feedback and see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.